give him some praise. We thank you, God. We give you glory this morning. We praise your name. Amen. Amen and amen. You can take a seat. Thank you, team. You know, this. my heart for this church is that it will be a church that declares the name of Jesus, a church that lifts up the name of Jesus. Every time we gathered, people have no doubt about who we are worshipping and why we are gathered. It's for the name of Jesus. Amen. Very good. Thanks, Andy, Sorto, and everything, faithfully serving. I don't know if you saw it before, but Andy pretended that that pulpit was a guitar earlier on, and he was playing air guitar with the pulpit, and I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty cool. Very good. Well, we'll get into church, into message and a few things, just to let you know. Uh, Lozzie is on a cruise. My wife is on a cruise with my mum. My three sisters and my one sister-in-law. So the six girls have gone and uh, for four nights. And I made a big mistake yesterday. I made a, a rookie error. And um, it's one that my kids are very grateful for. We did the grocery shopping when we were hungry at lunchtime. And the boys comment to me after it was, Dad, can you do the shopping every week? Because this is good. And I got home and my brother-in-law did the same thing. He went shopping at Hungry at lunchtime as well. But he took the responsible eldest daughter and the whole time was saying, Mum wouldn't get that. We don't need those, Dad. That's not healthy, Dad. So he made a much wiser move, but he took someone along. But I have a strange feeling that even if I had taken Lucy, she probably wouldn't have said anything like that. Just, just thinking out loud there. Okay, before we get into today's message, I'm just going to update you on a few things. Um, on your seats, many of you will be sitting on them right now, you'll see two forms. There's a Count Me In form and there's a Join a Team form. We're going to be looking at those just quickly for a little while. We shared two weeks ago about um, the, the vision of our church, the heart behind our church, and also the framework of our church, what, what we're about and, and how things operate. And we shared two key things. We shared two things on how you can personally be involved in the life of church. And we talked about joining a team, and we talked about giving in our Count Me In offering. And those are the two things that are on your seats today. Firstly... The Count Me In Giving, we are, um, we're going to receive an offering in a minute and the team are going to prepare, prepare to do that. But our Count Me In Giving goes towards our community centre. I think we may even have some of the pictures of the different places it goes towards, which is our next slide. goes towards our community centre. It goes towards our partners that we collectively partner with around the world, like Compassion or like Liberty. It goes to our local community initiatives like the crisis, food care and the different things. And it even goes towards, not that we have to put financially towards it, but Clean Up Australia Day, just some of the local things that we're doing to partner with. So when we give our Count Me In offering and our Count Me In giving, we're giving locally, we're giving nationally and we're giving overseas to all those different Areas And so it's a great thing that you can do. If you give to our giving, you can see on there, there's a new bank account. It's a, I don't know if it's a new bank account, but it's a new name. And it's called the Together Cause. So everything to do with our church, together community, together church and together collective, goes to the Together Cause. And from there, we can distribute it to the different areas that we support. And if you want tax-deductible giving, you don't have to have tax-deductible giving, but if you want it, 
you can have it. You just need to fill in your details on that form or giving envelope. And if you give us your, your details, we can issue you with a tax deductible receipt for your giving. And what we ask you to do today is either give an offering, that's fantastic, or set up a monthly giving form, a monthly pledge that says, hey, once a month, I'm going to give this amount to Together Cause because I believe in it and I want to give to it throughout the year. Or you can even say, you know what, I don't want to set up monthly giving and I can't give today, but at some stage in 2019, I want to give this amount. It just helps us with our planning for the year ahead. So there, the Count Me In giving forms and then after the service there is going to be a table I think it's as soon as you walk out the doors you will not miss it there is a table where you can speak to some of our team I think Jen will be there about these forms about joining a team and again different areas community church different programs and departments within the church where you can say I want to be part of a team you can circle I want to serve once a month I want to serve twice a month I want to serve occasionally and you could even write in there I want to serve once a year if you want to but it's just a way of saying this is the areas I want to be involved in I want to serve every week week in week out I don't want a Sunday off write it down there no we want you to um I actually don't think that's a great thing. I think there's some Sundays where it's good to just come and be part of the community. But it's also really important to have Sundays where you do come, or Wednesdays if you come to the Welcome Place, where you do contribute. And this just form allows us to um, help find a great team for you to be a part of. And you can take that form after the service to the table and you can fill that in and do that. In a minute... We're going to give our offering. I just want to give you one more little bit of information before we collect our, 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 our offering. And that's about our framework. Um, I don't know, some of you were just so excited about this chart that I put up two weeks ago that I've decided to put it up again because I've updated it a little bit. I know some of you are just like high-fiving each other, at least on the inside, because you've seen a, a flow chart up in church. But two weeks ago, I announced that we were um, a few things that were still being worked out, and one of them was men's and women's. And I don't know if you can read it on there, but we um, have asked someone, and she said yes, to head up the women's going forward, and that person is Alison Martin, who was, if you don't know who Ali is, she was the one that was hosting, it was up here earlier. So Ali is in the stages of forming a team and figuring out together about what it's going to look like for the women's in 2019. So if that's something you're interested in, you can see her today and you can see that she tucks in there underneath Penny Jackson just for an oversight to fit into the structure but Ali is the one that's going to be responsible for running women's within the church so that's something that we said would be announced and is announced and as far as men's go we're still figuring that out but if men if you are here and you are interested in being part of what a men's ministry could look like then I want you to come and see me after the service today because we're working on what that looks like in the coming weeks so we'll announce that once we know as well we um I don't want to pretend that we've got everything figured it out we haven't got it all together just yet but we are working it out and so if you're interested in that you can come and see me the other thing I, I have adjusted slightly is I talked about a, um, a team that were helping me, which was Josh, Penny and Pip. And I've really, I've labelled them the executive team because the red lot boxes there, they are the leadership team of church and they, they're helping run all the different key areas of church life. And the, the other guys are just an executive team. So just to differentiate that. And you'll also see, for those of you that are observant, I've put all of the together community and collective stuff under Gary and Louie because that's what they do. Some of those partnerships, like the India one or Gangala one, are things that I 
put my fingers into because I like to have a bit of involvement in them. But it's under Gary and Louie for Compassion, for Liberty and our Welcome Place and all the local community stuff. So I just wanted to update you on that and let you know about that. All right, I'm taking the flow chart off the screen now. You can just let it go. There it goes. It's gone. Um, our goal for our giving, actually, if we can put our goal up there, I think we said that for our goal for 2019 would be to give $110,000 towards Count Me In. Last year in 2018, we did just over 100000 and so we're believing that we could meet the goal of 110000 for this year. I love what Brian Houston says. He says this, great churches aren't built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. And I believe $110,000 won't be met by a few of us, but it will be by all of us saying, you know what, this is the bit that I can contribute towards that. And together, I believe we can actually meet that goal if we all play our part and do our bit in our giving. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to send the buckets around. If you're not ready to give today, that's fine. Take the Count Me In form home and bring it back in when you are ready because we really believe that there is a, a space for all of us to contribute towards this giving, but we don't want you to rush it and we don't want you to do it out of obligation or because you feel pressured into doing it. It's really about saying, God, what is it that you would have me and my family contribute or me and my household contribute and do that obeying his voice? So let me pray. God, we thank you for the privilege it is to partner with people around the world people that are making an incredible difference both locally and internationally. God, we thank you for the facility that you've blessed us here in our community. We pray that it would be a blessing to our local community. And we pray over this giving today, all the, all the different things that we give towards, we pray, Lord God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. We thank you, Lord God, that you make a way where there is no way. And we pray that this giving, Lord God, would go towards your kingdom advancing on the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, team, you can send that bucket around or the containers. I went to one church and they had these massive big wheelie bins. And I thought, that's a big faith statement right there. Fill those up. Huh? It was for the recycling, yeah, because they were uh, the communion cups. No. All right. Thank you, church, those that give. What we, we did last year and what we'll continue to do this year is once a month, we'll update you, church, on how we're traveling. We'll say, there's our goal, this is where we're at, and you can see where we're going throughout it. And um, a couple times of the year, we'll, we'll have a, a focus on our Count Me In, just so that we know what's going on and what's happening. Okay, on our first Sunday as Together, which was on the 3rd of February of this year, we talked about the life of Isaac. Does anyone remember the life of Isaac? And we talked about his need to find water. And how he dug wells and how he re-dug the wells of his father, but then he also went and dug new wells. And the last well that he arrived at was a well that he named Rehoboth, which means open spaces. Open spaces. Let's go to Genesis 26, 22. We're going to start there this morning, just to recap your, your memory. It says that abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and he dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And the open space that God provided for Isaac and his family, I don't believe is just for Isaac and his family. And I don't believe it was just a Bible story that we read that happened all those years ago, but has no meaning 
or application to you and I today. I actually believe that there is an open space for every single one of us. I believe that the words God gave us for a church for 2019 are those two words, open spaces. And in my own life, I've just recently can testify to there's this there's this new season, there's, there's this new freedom, there's this new open spaces that I believe God wants all of us to step into. You know, um, I, I think God's timing, I often laugh at it. I often get frustrated with it when it's not happening, but then when it does happen, I just go, oh, you're so funny. You've got a sense of humor. We as a family have been trying to find a house to live since April last year because the house we were living in was just, it was contained. It was tight. It was not an open space at all. And we moved house last weekend and there is heaps of room. I reckon this house is probably two or three times bigger than our old house. It is a house that describes open spaces perfectly. There is so much space I can hide from the kids and they can't find me. It is an amazing open space house. But here's the thing. Like I said, we've been looking since Easter last year. And the Saturday before we launched together, the, Saturday, the day before I spoke to you about Isaac and open spaces and wells was the day that we inspected that house. And then two weeks later, we moved into the house. And it kind of feels like this to me, that when we say open spaces, and we're going to be a church that walks into the open spaces, that God just kind of goes, you know what, you've been waiting for nine months, and now all of a sudden, in your own personal life, here's an open space of your own to step into and to be a part of. And I just go, God, you are so good. You are so amazing. For, for nine years, we've been, nine years, nine months, nine years would be a long time. Nine months, we've been looking. Nine months, we've been frustrated at the false starts and the different times we thought we had something and we didn't. But now as we as a church step into the open spaces God has for us, he also goes, here's some open space for you and your family. And I'm just like, God, you are good and your timing is amazing. I've heard it said before that God takes a long time to act suddenly. And it isn't true like that. You can be waiting and you can be waiting and waiting and then all of a sudden it's go and you go, gee, that happened quick. And that's exactly what God does in our life. But in our time this morning, the remaining time that I have with you, I want to talk to you about what I'm learning about open spaces. Because as I said, there is an open space for all of us. The first thing I'm learning about open spaces is that you have to know that there is an open space for you. Open spaces are not just for the people we read about in the Bible. Open spaces are not just for Lottie up here with the microphone. But open spaces are for you. That's the first thing you need to know. It is for you, not just for some of us, but for all of us. And this week I was amazed at the amount of scriptures that talk about open spaces for us in our lives. I love Psalm 18, 19 in the Passion. It says this, His love broke open the way and He brought me into a beautiful, broad place. He rescued me because His delight is in me. I want you to read that scripture again. And instead of the word me, put, actually, no, say it. His delight is in me. He made a way. He brought me into a beautiful, broad space, place. Psalm 119 in the message in verse 41 and 45 says this, Let your love, God, shape my life with salvation, exactly as you promised. And verse 45 And I'll stride freely through wide open spaces as I look for your truth and your wisdom. Do you like that that imagery or those words? Stride freely into wide open spaces. Not contained, not held back, not limping along, but striding freely into the open spaces 
God has for you. See, the psalmist knew what it was to walk into the open spaces God has for you. In Romans, we read something similar, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting your praise, our praise. When I read that, you know the picture I got? I'm a bit embarrassed to say it, but it was Sound of Music. It was that chick, what's her name? What's that actress? Julie Andrews. You know when she's just standing in that open field and she's got her arms wide and she's just singing? No, I'm not going to sing it for you. It's not really a blokey example to um, illustrate that. But that was the picture I got. It's a good image of someone standing in an open field, free, unabandoned, uncontained, freely singing and giving glory to God in an open space where there's nothing holding you back. And the story of the Scriptures and the story of the Bible over and over again is that love made a way for you and I. Love made a way in the form of Jesus Christ to experience the fullness and openness and the freedom of these open spaces. He made a way for all of us to do it. And because of Jesus, we can, we can have what these verses describe. We can walk freely into the open spaces. We can stand in them confidently knowing that there is an open space in our life. And the kingdom of God is a wide open space. And many of you will know this. Many of you will have discovered his love. And I, for one, am grateful that Jesus made a way for me to experience an open space. The thing I know about open spaces is that they are for all of us. And here's the next thing I'm learning about open spaces. There's always room for more. Open spaces are not contained. You know, I just told you that our new home is big and there's lots of room. But guess what? If I invited people over and just kept on inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting, eventually it would become crowded. Eventually we would run out of room in that space. Even though it's a big home, it's still got a limit to what it can fit. It's still got a limit to who can fit in that space. But the open spaces that Jesus has made for you and for me are not like that. They don't have a point where they go, oh, we're full, we're at capacity. There is always room for more. There is always room for more in open spaces because open spaces, there is room for more. And Luke 14, Jesus tells a story that illustrates this point. He tells a story about that he relates to the kingdom of God. And he says this, he says, there's a man who invited many people to join him to a great feast. Mm, feast. Josh is thinking of brisket. I can hear that right. I can feel that right now. What are you thinking of? What are you thinking of, Andy? Steak? It's food, yes. A great feast. When the day arrived for this great feast, the host instructed his servant to notify all the invited guests and tell them, Come, for everything is now ready for you. But one by one, they made excuses. One said, I can't come. I just bought some property and I'm obligated to go look over it. Boring. Another said, please accept my regrets, for I just purchased five teams of oxen and I need to make sure they can pull the plough. 
Another one said, I can't come because I just got married. One translation said, I can't come because I have a wife. I was like, what kind of an excuse is that? Anyway, the servant reported back to the host and told him of all of their weak excuses. I added the word weak in case you didn't know. So the master became angry and he said to his servant, go at once through the city and invite anyone you can find, the poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting and the lonely and invite them to my banquet. Verse 22, when the servant returned to his master, he said, sir, I have done what you have asked, but there is still room for more. There is still room for more. So the master told him, all right, go out again and this time bring them all back with you persuade the beggars on the streets the outcast of the homeless urgently insist that they come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full i say to you to the one who receives an invitation to feast with me and makes excuses will never enjoy my banquet but i love verse 22 even though he's gone out and invited a heap of people he says there is still room for more you know there is always more room in god's kingdom when you read the stories of the gospel and you see Jesus, he was never going, oh, that's too many followers now. I've reached my limit of followers on Facebook. I can't have any more. He was always saying there is more, there's room for more. And I believe that God's kingdom, there is always room for more and there's still room for more in this space. There is nothing exclusive either. You know, it says there's room for more, but then it says go get all of them. And I, I love the thing and I believe that open spaces, they're not exclusive either. There's nothing exclusive about who gets invited and who doesn't. Everyone gets invited. There is a range, a diversity of people that get invited. There's no look. There's no qualification. There's no, all right, you must be a certain standard to get into this invitation. But all get invited, and I love that. I read this article this week, and it's a little bit um, challenging, a little bit confronting. It's by a guy named Michael Frost, and he talks about, Church should be more like a forest and not a lawn. Does anyone here have a lawn that they're proud of? Front lawn, the grass is just like the top of that picture. Does anyone just like to just, you know, mow it and fertilize it and trim it perfectly? This is what he writes. And he's not judging you if you have a lawn this morning. It's just an illustration. Suburban people love lawn. We cut it. We fertilize it, we trim it, we edge it, and some people even color it. No matter how good your own lawn might be, there's nothing like the twinge of covetousness and admiration you feel when walking past the lawn-keeping skills of a grandmaster. I have moved in across the road from a grandmaster. He is the grandmaster of lawns, and his lawn is schmick, and he is Judah's mate's dad. And so there's a bit of grass envy over there going on. We love it so much, we think nothing of the prospect of watering and trimming a sizable carpet of grass week after week, the perfect length and trim, the alternating mower lines, the absence of weeds. Ah, there's nothing like it. A perfect lawn epitomizes the suburban values of uniformity, symmetry, balance, and neatness. It is estimated that Americans spend $27 billion per year caring for their lawns, which is 10 times more than they spend on school textbooks. No comment. What if I told you that lawn breaks every rule of nature? Actually, lawns are a freak of nature. This gets a little bit um, scientific, but listen. Lawn is a monoculture. 
But every law in the nature handbook tells our planet to, survive, to strive for biodiversity. Biodiversity is life. Monocultures are on the verge of death, which is why lawn can't survive without an elaborate life support system of phosphate-based fertilizers, garden pesticides and herbicides, and because you keep feeding and watering it, lawn's root system is pathetic. Without deep roots to break up the soil, the ground eventually degrades and turns into dirt, hence our need for fertilizers to keep it alive. Journalist and professor Michael Pollan says, Lawn is nature under Tolterian rule. If you are willing to listen, your weeds will be telling you all that. Now, weeds can't talk. Just make that clear. But weeds are what we call pioneer plants. They are nature's stormtroopers. Weeds are the D-Day paratroopers of the environment. It is as if nature sees a monoculture like a lawn and mobilizes all of its forces to bring diversity and beauty back to that lot. Weeds come first. They have long, strong root systems that penetrate deeper into the soil. What they're trying to do is aerate the ground to make it able to sustain other species. Later come the shrubs and the trees. Nature wants diversity and fights relentlessly to achieve it. In his book, The World Without Us, Alan Wiseman calculated that if the human race completely abandoned a city, it would start looking like a forest in five years. Within 20 years, the buildings would start falling down. And within 200 years, the place would have been fully colonized by trees. No one's prepared to take on that experiment. I don't know why. But none of that ever happens because we uproot weeds as soon as they show themselves or we zap them with chemicals. Now, why am I telling you about all of this? I'm not suggesting we leave the weeds to just take over. I'm going home this afternoon to kill a heap of them. But Michael Frost writes this, I think this is a powerful metaphor of the unfurling of the reign of God in this world. Imagine a perfect lawn right alongside an ancient forest. The forest represents the kingdom of God, rich, diverse, alive. The lawn represents the stifling effects of this world, consumerism, greed, conformity, and violence. If left to their own devices, the lawn would be no match for the forest. It would be converted from uniformity and neatness into wild, messy diversity in no time. It takes the effort of the lawn keeper to starve off the earth's natural impulses to wildness. Now think about that in terms of our church. To what degree would you say our church looks more like a lawn or more like the forest floor? The kingdom of God, as described by Christ, strives towards justice and reconciliation. The world unleashed by King Jesus is a beautiful, life-giving reality that values messy things like peace, mercy, hospitality, and generosity. It looks more like a wet, fertile ecosystem teeming with hopeful possibility than a boring, uniform lawn sure it's messy and it's muddy crisscrossed with a snarl of moss covered tree roots and blanketed in mulch dead leaves but it's diverse bursting with life magnificent in its beauty shafts of sunlight penetrate the canopy above beaming lights spotlights on a stage new shoots lance the soil fragile and freshly green a forest floor is lush underfoot it smells bountiful it feels like it is breathing Leslie Newbing writes, wrote that the church exists for the sake of those who are not members as sign, instrument and foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. 
Don't be the lawn. Be like the forest floor, a stunning, diverse ecosystem in stark contrast to the grassy monoculture. Be agents of hope that life was meant to be more like a marvelous forest. Teach your congregations how to embody the kingdom ecosystem that Jesus presented to us. Lead us into diversity, hospitality, justice, and reconciliation, no matter how messy and tangled it might be. I love that article. It's a challenging article because I believe that the church is actually meant to be diverse. The church is meant to be like the forest floor. We're not meant to all be exactly the same. In fact, the church, the thing that made the church stand out so much when it was first called the church was the fact that people from every different background, every different race, every different um, cultural standing were all gathered together in one place. And the one thing that brought them together was Jesus Christ. And the, the culture of the day couldn't get their head around it because they're going, what are these people doing with these people? Those guys don't normally associate together. Why are they hanging out together? And it was because of Jesus Christ that they were hanging out together because there was something in common. They were now part of something bigger than their own culture or their own socioeconomic status. And that's what brought them together. There was a diversity and there was a beauty to that diversity and the world noticed it. But I think our challenge for us as a church is not to get into the stage where we have to, I'm not saying that we, um, we can't be like-minded, but we don't have to be the same. Look at the person next to you and go, gee, thank God I'm not the same as them. No, don't say that too loud. The characteristics of the church was that it was diverse. The church was this forest of life and activity. It was not this manufactured, uniformed place where everyone was exactly the same. But there was difference, and I love that difference. And my heart for this church, for us, for this group of people, is that we would be a place that no matter what your background, no matter what your status in this community is, that you can belong here because of what Jesus has done in our life. Jesus is the thing that brings us together, and our differences are celebrated, and we learn from each other, and we encourage one another. We don't have to be the same as each other. The heart of this church is that there is a space for all. Just like Jesus, just like the master said to the servant, go out and bring them all in. There would be room for all. Our mission, our purpose is for all to know love. And because we know that God is love, our heart is for all to know the love of God. And open spaces always have room for more. All open spaces have room for all to come in. Let's not be an exclusive club, but let's be a church with open doors and open hearts and open lives and be prepared to talk to people that aren't like us. Be prepared to have people in our world that are different to us. Be prepared to um, be challenged. And you don't have to uh, change to be like them, but just be open to different. Be open to people that are different to you and I. That's the heart of God and that's the heart of this church, that we would be diverse like a forest floor and not boring like Josh Davies' lawn. Is your lawn like that one before, mate? Are you working on it? Yeah. My new lawn's terrible, by the way. I had it going pretty good. I had it nice, and now I've moved into one that's just had a caravan park there for two years, and it's rubbish. Pray for me. I'm going to be weeding it badly. The next thing about open spaces. Do you know that open spaces can be dangerous? Do you know that? Lawn's a safer place than a forest floor. If you've got an 18-month-old, where's a safer place to let them play? The nice, flat, green lawn or go play in the forest? You know which one is safer. 
We also know which one's more fun, but that's another thing. In the open spaces, here's the thing about open spaces. In the open spaces, walls and buildings are not there to give you protection and security. They don't exist. And lots of the books that I like to read, I like to read books about Genghis Khan and the Roman Empire and the knights and the Vikings that fought over what is now England. You know, good uplifting stories like that. They're historical fiction. That's the stuff I like to read. But there's one thing common in all of these books, that when they're in their castle or when they're in their city and they've got the walls around them, they don't need many people to guard it because the walls provide the protection. But when they're in the open spaces, they are vulnerable to an attack. When they're out in the plains or the fields or the forest, they are open to attack. But what they all do to provide safety when they're out in these open spaces is they do these two things, other than fight and kill and all that stuff. They do these two things. They have spies at the front, spies at the back, spies to the left, and spies to the right. They have people looking out for the group. They have people watching out for the rest of the group. So they are are paying attention to what's going around because they've got the interest of the main group back at heart. So they're looking out for them. And the other thing that they do is they stick together. When When they get defeated, it's often when an army gets separated but when they stay together they have what you you've heard it before safety in numbers and it tells me that in open spaces we need each other more than ever if we're going to be a church that plays it safe and stays within the walls of our church we don't need each other as much but if we're in open spaces if we're in uncharted territory we need each other more than ever We need each other looking out for one another, encouraging one another, standing with each other because we need each other in the open spaces. And I love that as God calls you and I as a church into these open spaces, He doesn't call us alone, but He calls us together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, By yourself you are unprotected, but with a friend you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? Because a three-stranded rope is not easily snapped. What's it saying? That together in numbers, together in friendship, together in camaraderie, there is a strength that you can support one another. And the challenges that are in life, we will find in the open spaces. As we step into new territory, as we advance, as we feel God has called us to, there are going to be challenges that come into our world. There are going to be difficulties that come into our world. But what if we had each other standing next to each other, supporting one another, looking out for one another, so that we can face these new challenges together? We need each other. A few weeks ago, I read you this. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And really, church, that's the heartbeat of who we are. We want to do this journey together. I want you and I looking out for one another, encouraging one another, ringing up each other, texting one another, doing life together, not doing life alone. But being a church that spurs one another on to do what God has called us to do. I challenge you, church, let's be a church that goes on this journey together. As we step into the open spaces, we will make room for more. We will believe that there is an open space for each and every one of us in our own lives. And we will look out for one another because we know that we are all in this together. We're not in this journey on our own. I want the creative team to come back up. We're going to finish soon. Ephesians 3.20. Great verse. Who knows what what waits for you and I in the open spaces? Who knows what 2019 
will bring you and your life. But church, there's this call to the open space. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. I don't know about you, but I don't know what God has in store for 2019. I just got this sense in my spirit that there is open spaces for us individually and as a church, as a community of believers, that there is a new season of open spaces, that we can stand in them freely, uncontained by the chains, uncontained by the past, but free to worship God in His fullness and in His glory. And I know that as we step into those open spaces, that it's not going to be my might, it's not going to be my brains, it's not going to be my flow chart, but it's going to be the Spirit of God that enables these things to happen. It's not going to be our wonderful lights or our new paint on the walls. It's going to be His power, miraculous power, constantly energizing you and constantly energizing me. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by His Spirit. And I don't know what your open space will look like, but I know that God is in it. I know that God has a new thing. It's been said already today. This God is doing a new thing as He steps you out of the contained place into the open space. And this morning, I want us to stand. We're going to sing, maybe break every chain again or something. You pick. You've got the voice. I don't. But I want us to stand, church. And I'm going to open up the front. Because the key there is His power constantly energizing you. And I want us to open up this place this morning. We've got a bit of time. Kids don't need to be picked up for another 17 minutes, so we can go for it. But I wonder what open spaces God is calling you to step into. I wonder how you are feeling right now. If you're honest with yourself, are you feeling contained? Are you feeling boxed in? Are you feeling held back? Or do you feel that you are freely striding into the open spaces that God has for you? As we sing this song this morning, I want us to just to declare in our spirit that we as a church, that we as a people are stepping into the open spaces God has for us. And if there's any of you that would like someone to pray with you, we're going to ask the, um, the ministry team to come, some of the elders to come. And just to lay hands on you and to pray for you and declare what we just read. We declare that it would be His miraculous power energizing you to step you into all that God has for you. Whatever it is that you want to respond to, I want us to come down the front, come and stand across the front and say, God, I want to step in to the open spaces. I don't understand them. I don't know what they all look like. But I sense in my spirit that this is a call for my life that 2019 will be able to say over me, that was the year I began to step into fully the open spaces that God has for me. So church, let's sing this song together. You know, today might even be the day that you step into the wonderful relationship of knowing Jesus Christ. The freedom that comes when you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour. You can come out the front as well and I'd love to talk to you and meet with you and tell you about how you can invite Jesus into your heart. But there is freedom in the name of Jesus. 
There is freedom when you know His love and you know the purpose He has for your life. And church, let's not stay contained. Let's not stay comfortable, but let's get out in the dangerous open spaces together and experience what God might have for us in 2019. I want you to come and stand at the front and get prayed for and just sit and say, God, that's me. 2019, open spaces. That's my life. I'm declaring it. I'm receiving it. I'm belonging, making that mine for 2019. Let's sing together. Let's worship and let's stand in the open spaces that I believe God is calling every one of us to be in. Let's sing, church.